right. Back Jerk Podcast is here. What are we? Seven? No. Ten days. Nine days? Nine days before eight the draft. Days. Eight days? Eight, eight, eight days. days. Eight yeah. days before yeah, the draft. Yeah, yeah. Simple math. Um, yes, sir. Tommy and Lee are here, and we also uh, brought for the third time now, Carl. You're back for the third time, I think. I believe so. Welcome back. I think that makes him the second most reoccurring guest on the show behind Connor. Might be, yeah. He's no, coming to that first place spot. <laughs> no, I appreciate y'all boys, man. Y'all, uh, y'all definitely bring a different flavor to it, and, and it's cool. And, and like I always tell Clep, uh, y'all know what y'all talking about, which is the most important thing. So it's all good. I'm honored to be on. I don't know. I think we got to address the elephant in the room that I kind of mushed the Browns uh, <laughs> this summer. I, I think – I hope that you uh, you don't think lesser of my opinion, uh, Carl, after I completely tank the franchise uh, this year with my uh, my bad juju. Ah, uh, man, it, it is what it is. I mean, considering uh, the heights that the AFC was this year, I don't think we was ready anyways. And, I mean, considering that we got some Oklahoma players off the team uh, or <laughs> will be off the team soon, I think uh, – it's a win-win. It's, uh, there was a, uh, you know, uh, there was a light at the end of the tunnel, so, so to speak. So not too bad. Carl, got a, we got a lot to get to, but some some quick housekeeping. Last time we talked to you, you you were just starting the gig. We're we're still in Rochester, still doing the sports. Yeah, man, we're still in Rochester, and you know it's draft season, so uh, everyone in Bills Mafia wants to know who their team should get, and so it's been kind of a little bit of a, a hectic, a little bit of late, you know, trying to figure out who the Bills should target. And considering the Bills have been terrible for the most of their franchise's history, well, I guess before we were born, they were decent, but it was easier to do this stuff. They were picking like eight, nine, ten, or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of easy. But at 25 this year, it's a little bit more difficult. You don't have no idea who's going to get there. And as you guys know, this draft is so unpredictable with where things can slot. So uh, it's been fun, though, man. Uh, can't complain. It's lacrosse season up here in, in Western New York, which you know me. I don't really know too much about lacrosse, but <laughs> I'm learning as I go, and, and it is what it is. And uh, last time, last time you were on Certified Lover Boy had just uh, just dropped, but um, bring bringing back Drake, he's got the probably the, his best song is is Draft Day. Was wondering if you had a, a favorite line from from the song Draft Day. Uh, Five years later, how am I the man still? I mean, it, it don't get worse. <laughs> like, you, you talked to me back then, and I was hot. And it, it, so it's just like, it is, it is. Like, you, you know, you got to holler at uh, somebody, you know, somebody back in your past and be like, hey, look, everything I told you is coming to fruition. So I'm still here. I'm still here, baby. So. I'm still here. All right, Carl. Well, we bring you in because because we want your, your defensive back analysis, your, your expertise that you bring to the table. Um, just to, to reflect on, on last year, you know, some of the, the DBs from, from last year, year's class, how did your, you know, rankings, I guess, you know, you can't write them all off on, on one year, but how did it, how did it look after one season in the league? Uh, so for me, I was high on JC Horn, as you guys all know, and, um, kind of the incomplete grade on him because he, um, got hurt early on in the year, but we'll see, um, where he projects to the future as, Club knows I was a big Greg Newsom guy, huge, huge Newsom guy. And he played very, very well when he was available. He was kind of still had the injury bug a little bit in the league this year for the Browns. And hopefully he stays healthy opposite of the new $100 million man, Denzel Ward. Shout out to the hometown. Uh, thought he was, uh, thought he was well, well. Pat Sertain did his thing in the AFC West, which is, you know, a, a who's who of quarterbacks out there. So he held his own out there. So shout out to him for that. 
Um, I, I, I thought highly of those three. Uh, Asante Samuel has, has done decent things, and I think he projects highly as well. So that uh, all in all, I think that class, uh, I talked to Club a little bit. I don't know if that class was just generational or if that's just the way the cornerbacks are going for the future, considering um, that's not getting to a little bit later, but how football is being developed at the youth level. I don't know if it's that or just that class is so darn good. So, I mean, I'm happy that I really wasn't down on any of the guys like maybe I am this year. But, man, that class was really good, and they've all lived up to the hype in some varying degree. Yeah, the, the Cowboys taking uh, Kelvin Joseph, who may have killed a guy over uh, Asante Samuel, is going to haunt Tommy forever. Ah, yeah, you, you got <laughs> to play and then no, you're making good decisions on and off the field. <laughs> Probably my best tweet of all time uh, right after that happened. The, the Cowboys <laughs> will forever regret passing on Asante Samuel. And I didn't know that it was going to come to fruition potentially this quick, but good Lord. Uh, hopefully Kelvin uh, is not implicated in that stuff, but well, for real. Yeah. Um, Carl, so, uh, man, this year a lot of uh, interesting corners. Interesting at the top two seemingly, um, you know, I don't know what your rankings are, but assumingly, you know, Stingley and Sauce kind of are, are the two guys that get talked about the most um, in the draft community at the at the corner position. Who who in this class, I guess, uh, to you is worth a first round pick? I would say there's four guys who I would feel very confident in uh, going top 32, and then if if you were the the 32nd team this year, if they're there, I think you feel very confident in taking them. Obviously, the top two guys with um, Sauce and, uh, and Stingley, I think those guys have very, very rare traits. Uh, and then the other two, and I guess from a Bills perspective, because we are at 25, and um, I've said if these two guys are there, I think you run up there and, and don't let they'll walk back, is uh, McDuffie and Booth. I, I think those two guys uh, bring – with the game transitioning to a little bit more zone principles because just how wide open the game is, I think those two guys uh, are really, really good at that uh, spot of the game, especially at Washington where they've ready to play any man and how much zone do they play. I thought him and his running mate, Kyler Gordon, were really, really good at that. Um, some other guys I think are good. I just don't know um, either A, I don't know if McCreary played enough zoning. But I think he had a famous quote at the senior bowl. Where he was that was the first time I've played zone in my career, which is kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I think Kyler Gordon can be solid. I just need to see a little bit more consistency. And then um, – I scratched off Kyra Elon after about watching 10 minutes of him just because I saw him miss too many tackles. So um, that just worked the hell out of me. Although he's really good at press man. I just that saw that part and I was like, all right, I'm tired of that. But um, I think there's four guys at the top who I'm like, I think these guys are really, really solid. Another another Florida corner that, that isn't uh, willing to. They're scared of contact down there in Gainesville, I think. Which is crazy in an Elam's case because of his, his bloodlines. Like that's mm-hmm. the best. That's nuts to me. Like, yo, your uncle and your pops was known as, you know, hard hitters, and I guess they just skipped you out. <laughs> Tommy, you're a big you, – you like McDuffie, right? You, you've, Tommy has fallen in love with these Washington DBs. I love, over the I last love Washington years. DBs, baby. Low-key DBU. Yeah, I, I, like, uh, I like McDuffie a lot because he, he kind of reminds me of Asante from last year, just from an instincts level. Like, he's just a – I have – I'm very confident that McDuffie is going to be a high-floor player – uh, in the NFL, I'm obviously not as uh, well spoken on the on the technical nuances of the game as you are, Carl. But just and I, and I know I think the big hit on McDuffie has kind of been uh, his arm length. Like he, I think what's the I don't know what the key number is, 31 or 31 uh, inch arms. He uh, his arms like 
are not uh, long enough, like compared to like any other starting corner, like he has historically short arms. Uh, so I don't know if that means that he's going to be, you know, playing safety or something like that. But I do know when I do watch him, he's an incredibly instinctual football player, uh, incredibly heady, high IQ player. Uh, and I just think he's going to be an impact player from from day one. And I'm, I'm willing to take that risk on the lack of, uh, you know, I guess ideal length and, and measurables just because I think the tape is so good. And uh, that's kind of when I saw Asante last year. I just saw those traits and, and that headiness and that IQ kind of pop off the tape. And I think we kind of saw some flashes of that year one and with the Chargers. So I think McDuffie is well worth the top 15, top 20 selection. Carl, where are you at with the, the top of this class between Stingley and, and Sauce? You know, we, we've even seen Sauce get mocked to the Lions at, at two. Oh, man, this is tough for me. This, I'm, I'm going back and forth. Uh, I'll say if I'm a team that runs a ton of cover three, so if you're the Jets, um, I don't know how much cover three you guys run. I should, I should probably know that considering. More that. cover two. Yeah, I'm say, I, now that I think about it, if he said that you guys don't run as much cover three. But if I'm a team like the Jets, uh, some of those other teams uh, that are sitting up that high, I think Sauce is your guy. I don't think he's your guy who's um, – I'm trying to think of – he's not like your – your Ramsey, your Marshawn Lattimore, so you will ask to follow and cover that guy uh, all over the field, right? But in terms of a cover three scheme, which we're seeing a lot more teams go to this, right, where you can use that length and just say, hey, I'm taking away this side of the field. Think about uh, Camardi or Richard Sherman in their primes where they were long as hell. I wasn't going to ask them to shadow or follow a guy all over the field, but in that exact role that you're going to ask them to do, man, there's no one better than him at that, and his potential through the roof in that regard, right? But if you want to talk about a guy who mano y mano, good on good, best on best, I'm, I don't think it's hyperbole to say. I don't know if I've seen anybody in the past four or five years who freshman year tape is better than what Stingley did in that exact regard right there. What he did is, is a, as a 18-year-old at SEC West to go in against a who's who's of receivers week in and week out, not just the receivers, the quarterbacks as well, is something that I remember going into the ACC when Jalen Ramsey was leaving and they were talking about his tape and I saw it. I was like, holy crap. What he did that year is reminiscent of just, just one year of a Ram. Now, granted, Ramsey did it for all three at three different positions, which is why Ramsey was <clears throat> top five pick, right? But what Stingley did his freshman year is, is unreal. Unfortunately, as I talked to Clef about, I don't know if he's forgotten to play football the past two years. I don't know if his motivation has dropped over the past two years. There's a lot of things that we're not in the room to know about. We're not, you know, meeting with him so if you're an evaluator can you take that chance on I think Stingley's ceiling is much higher considering that he can do a lot more in terms of his versatility and his talent level but as an evaluator I want to ask you guys do you take that chance knowing that he might not be that player that he was at this point we're going on three years ago three years from like ago like can you take that chance like I'm asking you guys I mean, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll hop in real quick because I think I've been – I think Stingley is the best corner in the draft. I mean, I, I personally do just because of the traits. And I love Sauce Gardner. Um, and, and it's crazy because Sauce has kind of had a, a meteoric rise to now being the CB1 where he was – you know, I remember against Alabama, everyone was like, let's see how he goes up against Jameson. Um, and throughout the year, like, I'm, uh, with Kobe Bryant won the uh, – what's the award for best DB? Jim yeah, exactly. He won the Jim Thorpe and it was kind of like crazy. And it was because he was getting all of the targets in action because teams just weren't throwing to Sauce's side. And so I don't want this to come off as Sauce slander, but I just think 
when you get to the NFL level, I think you kind of have to bet on traits. And while I think that Sauce Shirley has a higher floor than Stingley in the tape that he's, you know, he has just played better ball than Stingley over the past two years. I've, I've talked about it on uh, recent episodes of the pod, just like Derek Stingley was the best defensive player in college football as a, as a true freshman on the, arguably the best team of all time. He, there's practice reps of him locking up Jamar Chase. He went up, as you said, Carl, a who's who of, of those players. And obviously it's concerning to see that play drop off over the past two years. And obviously there are some injuries involved, but I would have to assume that that's going to, you know, some of that tape is going to come back to fruition when he gets to the NFL level, when the motivation is now, Hey, let's get you to your second contract. Let's carve a new legacy for you. Um, and, and we saw him, you know, despite having the Liz Frank injury, he still tested incredibly well at his pro day. I think there's no question about how, what type of athlete he is. Um, and I just think, especially at the corner position, and I think Carl, you could attest to this better than me. Like you just have to bet on those traits when at the NFL level, you're going up against, look at a guy like Traylon Burks. We're going to get in my receiver rankings. Like everyone's dogging him now because he ran a four, five, five and you know, Oh, he doesn't have this ideal NFL speed. Like the, the athletes that Stingley's going to be going up against at the NFL level are legit. He has that athleticism. Um, he has that pedigree. So I'm just willing to make that bet at a position like corner, which is a, a pretty inconsistent position. Like very few guys are doing it year after year at an elite level. Uh, so I, for that reasons, I think just didn't have to be my guy and the guy that I'm making the bet on. Yeah, I would definitely, I don't know. I think Stingley's a top 15 player for sure, but I have my concerns about it when the production isn't there for two years. And obviously there was coming off that high of being on that LSU team and then COVID season and the team kind of falling apart, obviously Coach O leaving. Um, I understand that. But at the same time, when, when you get to draft season and we're talking about freshman tape and practice against Jamar Chase, it's, it's, it's cool and all, but at the same time, it's like, well, then why didn't he just sit out for two years and we're going to have the same conversation? Um, that, that is a bit of a red flag when it's like, if you're going to opt in, if you're going to play, I want to see you play your best football. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I can't shy away from the fact that this guy is, in my opinion, undoubtedly the number two corner. I would put Sauce ahead of him. Um, and the traits, like Tommy said, are there. And that's a really tough thing to pass up on in today's NFL when you can get a guy who can go mono mono like that. So I would weigh those red flags a little bit more than Tommy, I think. But at the same time, I don't think they would, for me, push him out of the top 20. If you're sitting there at, you know, like the Vikings at 12, I think that's probably a pretty good pick considering the fact that you bring him into your locker room he might be your number one guy from day one. He can learn under Pat Pete. Pretty good deal to me. Yeah, I mean, like, Lee, you mentioned it, like, the kind of the, the come down for, for LSU. That was even a thing with, like, Terrace Marshall last year, right, where he, like, opted out, like, halfway mm -hmm. through the season. So I think, like, part of it, I think, does have to do what was, you know, just with what LSU was post-Borough and Chase. I mean, Chase wasn't in the building then last year either because he was opting out even though he didn't go to the draft. Um so I think if you're a team in the top 10, though, like, that has to concern you about drafting Stingley. Like, if we bring in this guy, is he going to be here for these two years where we're rebuilding? Is he going to be – like, if you're the Giants, like, are you going to take Stingley at seven when you probably know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to be competing for at least two more seasons? You know, so I, I think that's something to, to take into consideration as well. But I don't – I mean, I think, Carl, you're, you're probably right when you say, you know, if, you, if you're just going to take a chance on a guy – in the top 10, you might as well get the, the eraser, you know? Mm -hmm. It's funny because if Stingley first two years were eh, right, but then had his freshman year season last year, he's undoubtedly CB1. That's, that's how good that freshman year tape is, right? It's just, unfortunately, that was 2019. 
Like, I think we had a different president at that time. So like, <laughs> it's a little Absolutely, different. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's, I'm a big Stingley guy, huge Stingley guy. I remember his freshman year, I was, I think that was my last year in college and we're just watching him in awe of his tape. We're like, man, I'm 22 and I, like, forget the, the traits. It's just like the technique stuff I wasn't matching. Yeah. Like, damn, but it is what it is. And I will, I will say Sauce is CB1 for that reason. But if Stingley ended up being a better player, I don't think any of us would be shocked. It's just the only concerns with him is just, what the hell happened in 2020 and 21? Those are the only concerns. I think that's fair to say for most people. Carl, I any, to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to ask a quick question too, Carl. I know there's only so many hours in the day, and obviously you are an employed man. There's only so much time you have to watch uh, every corner in the class. But I had a question about guys like Josh Job and Kobe Bryant, who we mentioned earlier, guys who were spoken to a pretty high regard just from me being a college football fan. Um, before blocking out all the draft noise or whatever the media was saying, those were guys who I would kind of assume would be day one, day two guys that are now when I'm seeing mock drafts being more third, fourth round guys. I've even seen Job fall to the fifth. Um, I thought Josh Job was a pretty good player watching Alabama. Kobe Bryant, the same. I know that there's a certain amount of credit he lost because of how Sauce shut down one side of the field or whatever. Um, why do you think those guys slipped if you did watch the, the tape on them? And what is your general opinion of them? So, obviously, I think everyone's seen Job just because of, he's on Alabama. So, mm-hmm. on Alabama, you've seen Job, right? Uh, and then Brian, he's from Cleveland. So, I knew him growing up. I've trained with him and, like, he's pretty cool with him. Um, his older brother played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Had a cup of coffee in the league. The difference, though, is just, like, uh, you guys alluded to earlier, traits. I mean, when I'm going round one, two, or three, I want a guy who – I want to take a – I want to say take a chance, but I want to get the high end of a player. Kobe and Job aren't like your freak athletes. They're really technically sound in what they do, but they're not going to um, do anything outside of the, I guess, the scheme, outside of the playbook, outside of what they're coached to do, so to speak. Like there's some stuff that on film that these top six or seven guys, they can do stuff that is above the play call, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. what kind of separates the, the first class of any group of any position, right? Like if, if I'm going day one on a quarterback, I need a quarterback who's going to create outside of the structure of the play call, right? If I'm going day one on a receiver, I need a receiver when it's just hits the fan on third and eight, go make up and play, right? Yeah. And then your corner. Like, man, if your back is against the wall, we ain't got a pass rush that day. Can you make something happen? And I'm not saying those two guys can't. I just think the, the, the ceiling's a little bit higher. The athleticism, the traits are a little bit higher on some of the other guys. I think those guys have a really good potential to be good players. I just don't know how high it would be. Like, I don't think it's all pro level. It's just like, you could talk yourself into any of those guys while percentage may be two or three percent. I mean, if she goes right, I can see McCreary, you know, being really darn good. So I think that's the reason why. Carl, do you have any uh, sleeper corners or any quick <laughs> comments on the, the safety class? Uh, sleeper corners? Uh, I think there's some guys who are solid. I think um, Britt from uh, Nebraska is solid. I, I think uh, nothing crazy. I think he's solid. I think he can right system. I think he can be, he can be all right. But for me, I, I don't know how y'all are going to fall on this one right here because you guys are Michigan folk. I'm, I'm all in on Dax in the Hill as a, as, a, as a Bills guy, especially with the Bills' two safeties are like 30-plus at this point. And then we also have Terrence Johnson, who's a really darn good nickel, but contract stuff, we don't know how that's going to work out. So I've been doing a lot of safety stuff as well. And I'm sold on Dax in the Hill because as we talked about last year when we were doing our safety stuff, I need my safeties to be able to tackle and I need my safeties to be able to play in any position back there. I think he has the capability of playing the high high one. He wasn't asked at Michigan because he's obviously was always in the damn nickel. I think he has the potential to play in the box as a strong. And then clearly, the dude is a, a unreal nickel. I mean, I mean that's probably the hardest uh, position that Harbaugh asked him to play on that defense because it's an NFL style defense, right? 
and he excelled at that. So his versatility, his his ability to match, you know, mirror and match those guys from the slot, I'm all in on Baxton Hill. And he was another guy. I was talking to my boss about it the other day. McDuffie, Booth, and Hill. If those three guys are sitting there at 25, tell Goodell, hey, 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 bring your ass back here. Um, I got a car for you. So I, I'm all in on Baxton Hill. Yeah, I – I, I think the safety class is, like, super interesting. I think, like, I, I love Daxon Hill as well. Just obviously, you know, watching Michigan games uh, with Lee and everything like that, just, like, seeing the type of – and also, like, what he can do as a blitzer. And, and, and you talk about tackling. That dude does not miss a lot of tackles. He's a sure tackler. But also you got some guys, like, uh, seen from, from Georgia, who I think is some awesome tape. Dude comes downhill and, and, and likes to lay the wood. And I know Lee's a big fan of uh, Jacon uh, Berkster as well. From, Frisker. Uh, Frisker from uh, T- Penn State. So – I think the safety class is really good, and it's, it's crazy because we've had, like, some good safety classes over the years, and just the NFL seems to be devaluing the position, but maybe they're, it's kind of coming full circle on that, and it's going to be interesting to see where all these guys uh, fall. Yeah, uh, just really like that you like Daxon Hill. Versatility and seeing him, the way he's improved from his freshman year to where he is now has been the most impressive thing for me. Each year, there's been leaps and bounds of improvement. You can tell that he soaks in coaching really well. And I'm a Michigan, I'm a little bit of a Michigan insider. That guy brings his workman-like attitude to practice every day. Really hard worker. And uh, nothing but good things to say about him from the people inside the building. So I think he's definitely a first-round guy. That's actually a little sneak peek on a, uh, on a, on a yap lick I, I got later with Jackson Hill. So I'm on, the, I'm on the Hill train with you, Carl. Well, just letting you know, if he wants somewhere to stay in, uh, in Western New York, I can't help him out, but I know people who can. Okay, good. <laughs> Hey, man, uh, Carl, you got a couch? You can save some money. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing, the commute kind of long, though. I'm in Rochester, oh. about an hour out. So, I mean, but he got, he going to have millions of dollars. I mean, yeah. he <laughs> hey, slap, slap a Michigan sticker on the mini hoop. You know, yeah, I don't know. Make, it, make it a little inviting. Yeah, yeah. I, I see the vision. I see the vision. So. Carl, we're going to do, um, we're gonna do a, a mock draft with the, the teams with two first-round picks. You're, you're free to stick around. Yeah, okay, for sure. All right, let's do it. Thank you for any other, any other DB uh, insight that you want to want to share with us. No, I think this is a solid class. I'm a, a little higher on the corners from last year, but the safety this year I'm higher on, and um, so I think it'll be a, a, a smooth year for sure. Thank you, Carl. We always appreciate the DB insider insight. Yeah, we we had to boot Tommy from that role, and then and then after Parnell went undrafted, Lee and I had to put our foot in our mouth. I had to eat, yeah, I ate <laughs> a little bit of crow after Parnell. <laughs> Parnell, I will say go. I was I was a Byron Murphy Murphy CB one truther though, and that's looking good. Another Washington, maybe that's my Washington bias coming in, but uh, I, I was on the Motley train as well. I'm not gonna lie to you. Once I saw he was the only guy in Oklahoma not getting torched against mm-hmm. other, I was like, oh, okay. He hey, it's it. not over yet. <laughs> it's not over yet. We we got him in Detroit. We're good. I was talking to Iffy, and Iffy said he likes him, so we'll see. Good. Uh, Carl, you're our guest, man. We'll, we'll just let you pick. We're, we're, we're each gonna, there's eight teams with two first round picks. Oh, hell. So, so we'll each grab. Should we make this a what would we do, Lee? Yes. Yes. All right. Let's so what we'll, we do. we'll each pick, pick two teams. Carl, you're our guest. So we'll, we'll let you pick the, your, your first two. Who do, you, who do you want to be picking for here? Teams with two first round picks? Yeah. You got two of them. What is it? The Chiefs, Saints, Packers, Packers Lions, Jets, Jets, Jets Giants. Giants. Lions, Texans, Texans. Okay. All right. Well, considering I'm close, I'm in the same division as the Jets. I a little bit. I know a little bit about their needs. Let's go out to to the city. Okay. Second team. I'll let you pick your, your two up front. 
Uh, we're going to go Jets, and then we're going to go Casey. All right, boys, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll snake it. Um, go, go first, Lee. Guys. Tommy? I'll take the Packers. Okay. I'll take I'll take good old Detroit. And I'll take I'll take Philly. And I will take who do we we got either the Saints and the Texans. Saints. I'll, I'll take the Saints to take the cool for the we got a little yeah. swap in the yeah, sure. <clears throat> okay. So I would uh, automatic, right? Or no, manual. Yeah, yep. manual. All right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So Hutchinson just Hutchinson. went first. So I'm going to, you know, be the good man I am and take Kayvon, baby. BJP chalk. Yep. At this point. So I'm on, I'm on the board with Houston, right? Yep. Um, I guess I'm going to take Evan Neal. But I'll be honest, man, it's becoming harder and harder as the draft approaches for me to – decide who my OT one is because Charles cross is growing on me. I'll tell you that. I really like him. I think he's a franchise left tackle and an extremely efficient pass blocker. And I, I I don't buy into the Mike Leach offense kind of slander, Um, but I'm going to stick to chalk and take Evan Neal. Okay, Carl, you're here with the the jets at four. Um, I do have a $5 bet on Icky to go for, so do with that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, knowing Robert Sala, right, and knowing that he's uh, he comes from a uh, – I don't know what word is. He comes from a – he started off in the Legion of Boom. That's where he started off in. Um, so he was there with Sherm and, and, and so forth and whatnot, right, with that secondary. Then in San Fran – he had a who's who of that, – that defense was loaded, obviously. He had the, the four rushmen up front, and then I guess he had Sherman again. Well, wow, that's funny. But I don't see any of those DBs being that worth it, being worth it up there. So we're going uh, icky at four because we need to keep uh, Jack, uh, Zach Wilson upright this year. Good Love pick. It. Love it. I'm going to go ahead and take Charles Cross here with the Giants. Okay. You're going to need to tackle, a, a, you know – Hey, Charles Cross and Andrew Thomas is not bad. Those are kind of two of my guys there. <laughs> the right and left side of the offensive line. Give Daniel Jones a shot. All right, now you're back up with the Giants here at seven. I think this is a soft spot for me. Um, I, I don't see Bradbury making it to the week one roster. Uh, there seems to be some turmoil between him and the front office. Um, and to me, there's a big drop-off there where, you know, they've got some decent utility guys in that cornerback room, but you kind of need a dude. Um, and I think Sauce is that guy, so I'm comfortable taking him at seven here for the Giants. Carl, I think Sauce's line is is seven and a half. What's your you know confidence that he? I think it's you know the the juice is to the over too. So I mean, what's your? You think he's he's under seven? You think when it comes to draft day? I mean, if I'm looking at the teams below seven, I think there's a realistic chance that he goes for. I think that's very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if he went seven, I don't know why he wouldn't go five. I think the Panthers are kind of done with their uh, cornerback experiment considering they put about 10 years of capital in about 16 months towards corner. So I don't know if they'll take another one this high. Um, I, I would say seven and a half is about accurate because if he can go seven, why couldn't he go five or four? So uh, hmm. I think that's about accurate, yeah. All right, you're back up with the, the Jets here, Carl. Trayvon Walker just went eighth to the Falcons. Jermaine Johnson went ninth. 
to the Seahawks. So a little edge run there right before uh, your pick after you took a tackle there at four. Let's pause the clock, clock really fast because I've talked to Clef about this and, and, and this needs to be addressed. Someone help me out because I really want to learn and I, and I, I want to be the best evaluator that I can and predictor of success, right? Tommy and Lee, can y'all show me, tell me where's the hype and where's the justified hype with Trayvon Walker? All in, all, all physical intangibles, I think. Because I, I saw the same thing. I watched – now, I did, granted, I didn't do a big deep dive, but we did a little preliminary edge uh, run, and I, I thought Karloftis, Hutchinson, obviously, Thibodeau, even Jermaine Johnson were higher for me than, than Trayvon Walker. But I think he's just an incredibly freak athlete, and we see year after year that the NFL loves traits. This is a league that drafted Deion Jordan third overall. And, and that's not to say that Trayvon Walker is – uh, akin to Deion Jordan, but Trayvon Walker is a one-of-one one athlete. The the bend, um, the just the intangibles that he has as an athlete. I think that's why the NFL has fallen in love with him. And he's a um, he's an unbelievable run defender for what it's worth. And I think a lot of people would make the argument. I was listening to Dane Brugler talk about this, who's a who's a pretty noted uh, draft head from the Athletic, saying that you know he wasn't out there on uh, on pass rushing downs because they have. Who's the, who's the junior who's going to be a, or the sophomore who's going to be a top five pick uh, next year, Lee? Uh, number 88, Carter. Yeah. Uh, Jerome or Jermaine Carter from Georgia, who's going to be a, a top five, top 10 pick next year. And so a lot of teams think that with Trayvon Walker, you're getting a guy who's going to be a really good run defender from day one. And he has the physical tools and upside to grow into that pass rushing role. So while I didn't see it, um, I think, you know, it's, it's that kind of thinking that teams are falling into with, with Walker. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm not a big I, – I enjoy the combine for the most part, but to me, I, I'm strictly a film guy. And if you would have asked me – I watch a lot of college football. I've told Adam this. I've told Tommy this. If you would have asked me who the top five players were on Georgia's defense after the season, I don't know if Trayvon Walker would have made the cut for the top five. He was on one of the best defenses I've seen in a really long time. I think that obviously the, the athleticism is there, but when, when you see a guy – at the end of the college football season in mock drafts going 22, 24, 26. And then the combine happens and all of a sudden he might be the number one pick to me. That's suspect. Um, I don't fall into that. Sometimes I'll be on the wrong end of it and I'll be dead wrong on somebody. And I'm willing to admit that, but I, I don't like to change my philosophy based on what the testing numbers are or anything like that. Usually if you're a good football player and you're a good athlete that should show up on tape. Um, I know you've heard it before, Carl, the tape doesn't lie. So uh, that's kind of my philosophy going at it. I still think he's a first round talent. Um, but to, to think about him as a top three pick top two pick, man, I can't get there. So I'm with you on that one, even top 10. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Carl Loftus fan. I like Jermaine Johnson. I obviously like Thibodeau. I like Hutchinson. Um, so I don't know, man, I, I, I can't get there with, with Trayvon Walker. And it's going to be very interesting to see how these Georgia players, transition to the NFL because there were so many good players on that defense. And it's almost like with the, with all those players who, who were the ones who were really making the biggest impact and who are the ones who are benefiting off of that impact? For sure. No, I think that's a good point. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see. So for me at 10, I talked about it a little bit earlier about, you know, on Silas tree and knowing that he, uh, uh, his history and, and knowing who he wants to be as a coach. Right. Uh, I think all the edges who I would take this high are gone. So I'm going to go with the guy who I think is a top five talent in this draft, Kyle Hamilton. I'm a big fan of him. And I think he was asked to – I think he, he wasn't exposed to Indy. I just think he was asked to do too much. And if you when you're a rookie, when you just tell them to do one specific thing, 
if I just tell him to be a cover one robber day one, Lord have mercy. I'm scared that there's going to be a robber that's standing 6'4 in the middle of the field that can move like he can. So uh, I'm going Kyle Hamilton at 10, and we'll get a receiver in the second half because there's a ton of receivers every year. Garrett Wilson goes 11 to Washington. Derek Stingley then goes 12 to uh, to Minnesota. As Lee, Lee pointed that out earlier as a potential fit for, for Stingley. And, and, Lee, you're here with the Texans, man. You took Evan Neal at three. What are we thinking uh, at 13? Well, what are we thinking? I don't know. I mean, who's on the inside of the defensive line there in Houston? Because I'm looking at Jordan Davis here. I'm a big Jordan Davis fan. Um, and I think that might be probably a, a solid value pick at 13. I think he's talk about a one-of-one one kind of athlete and talent. I mean, I haven't really seen a guy who can move the way that guy can move at that size ever. Um, and I didn't even, again, I didn't even need to watch the combine to know that you just throw on the tape. I mean, that guy's obviously stands out in every single game he plays. Um, right now for me, it's coming down to Jordan Davis or Drake London. Uh, I think Houston should be comfortable taking a receiver. I like Nico Collins as much as anyone else. Brandon cooks is a great player, but he's getting a bit older. Um, and I don't really see where the other pass catchers are there. I know I like Brevin Jordan, but these are kind of project pieces I think Drake London will come in and probably be the best receiver on your team from day one um so yeah I think that's the direction I'm going to go in I'm going to take Drake London um for Houston I think that you know he's my number one receiver in the draft and I'm I'm, I'm comfortable taking him over Jordan Davis there I think he adds a dynamic to your offense that is much needed and you start to get that youth movement going in Houston <laughs> see if Davis Mills is really about it <laughs> and uh Jordan Davis just goes to uh to Baltimore, man. I was going to take him with the, the Eagles if you passed on him, man. Keep him out of the AFC North. <laughs> um, Lee, I'm going to I'm going to do uh, – Tommy and I have done this before to the Eagles too, but I'm going to do the Eagles' Carl Loftus. Yep. Popular, popular pick when we do these with uh, the Eagles yeah. is always going to Carl Loftus. Yep. Um, all right, I'm on the board for the first time with the Saints. Adam, if you don't mind getting out of the edge. Sorry. Because um, we don't need that. We didn't need that. Um, and the Saints, you know what? I think there's been some compelling arguments on both sides, whether this is them trading up for a quarterback, kind of a puzzling move for them to sacrifice next year's draft capital to make a, an all-in move on this draft. And I'm of the mindset that, you know, I wouldn't have made that move, but they did. And, and I, you know, you got you to sleep in the bed you made. And um, I'm going to take my second overall receiver here, and that's Chris Olave. Um, Chris Olave to the Saints, pair him up with Michael Thomas. Um, Yes, sir. All right, we're back with the, the Eagles at 18. Um, I, I like a little, you know, edge edge corner pairing, and I, I think I'm going to take my guy Booth mm. Clemson. I think he's a, he'd be a good running mate number two alongside Slay. And now we're back up. Uh, we desperately need a tackle. Um I'm not too educated on the tackles. Obviously, Trevor Penning just went to the Chargers. Um, I'm not going to lie. Jamison Williams sitting right there is kind of enticing to double up and get Olave and Williams with Michael Thomas. Give Jamis everything that he needs. Clep, if you don't mind going to the tackles, I guess we've got Raymond and – Penning. Penning's gone. I know. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. You know – Pete Frere. <laughs> we're not going to – we're not going to – I guess I could try and put Zion Johnson at left tackle because, you know, there's nothing that guy can't do. 
Um, but you know what? We're gonna go. We're gonna go all in on uh, on receiver. We're gonna take Jamison Williams here. Olave and Jamison Williams, two of the fastest dudes. Just give give Jamis all he needs. Diane Johnson goes right after. Yep. Well, Green Bay. Is that Carl? No, I'm me. No, okay. Carl's KC. <clears throat> this is a really interesting uh, spot. Um, and you know what? I think this guy might be available at 28. But you know what? I'm going to stick up for one of my guys. I'm going to take my wide receiver four, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, right here to Green Bay. Why don't you take him with New Orleans if he's better than Jamison Williams? Well, because I think Jamison Williams, uh, you just get, his speed is game breaking. And uh, then why don't you rank him above Sky Moore? Because it's very you get lost in the TDN rankings, man. You gotta you gotta look at the look at the notebook. Look I'm at not, the notebook, man. I'm not, man. I'm not. <laughs> we got Olave and, and, and Jamison. That speed that speed combo is just too much to pass by. Um. We got a, I got a, I got a restart the Zoom. Carl knows how this is with the court in the field. We got a, we're hitting less than a minute. Oh yeah, okay. Hang on one second, boys. Cool. In Zoom. Did this used to be free? I feel like it used to be free. Probably was before COVID. Diego. I think it was. I think it was free during COVID. Adam, I'm starting to feel real good about Ritter, top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a prop on that? Yeah, it's 25 to 1. Are you guys seeing my email or my TDM? Screen? No, no, I can see. We, we're on draft, draft, cool. uh, draft network. All right, so we're Tommy's back. back up, yeah? We're back. Yep, Tommy's back with the – Guy Moore's. Back up. Was really hoping that Linderbaum was going to fall to me here, but um, we now we now are in a, an interesting position here. We can go. Just gone it. the other way around. Gone Linderbaum and then Sky Moore. Yeah, could have. But Maybe. what happens if someone takes Sky Moore, like the Bills taking Jahan Dotson at twenty six? As, as a guy who no, that's not no, that's not the type of receiver the Bills will go for. Um, but he's just not that type of receiver for them. We need some help. We need some help here on the uh, interior of the offensive line. Kenyon Green's there. Um, but you know what? I'm just going to be the receiver guy, and I'm going to take Traylon Burks here. And give Rodgers. Taking, Tommy's taking four receivers. Taking four receivers. <laughs> we got Sky Moore and Traylon Burks. It's a seven-on-seven seven out here. Give Go opposite of the Packers' philosophy, because I know this is not what they'll do. So try to replace Devontae with as much talent as possible. And kind and kind of screw over Carl and the Chiefs a little bit. So actually, for me, I'm a big traits guy, and I've talked to Clef about this. And here's my ideas on receivers: every at the youth level, right, and at the collegiate level, quarterbacks and seven on sevens are exploding. Everyone's throwing the damn ball, so receivers are coming into the league more ready than ever. Like the the top of these drafts, where receivers are like dime a dozen in the first half, that's not going to stop anytime soon. You watch any college team. No one's running that SEC West bull crap from 10 years ago, whereas uh, lineup left, no, like we're all spread out, right? So receivers are more ready than ever coming into the league. So if I'm going to take a guy, I want a guy who has some traits that I can't find in the first round every year. So that's why if I'm the Chiefs and if Christian Watkins, Watson is there, I'm all in. And the reason why I said his, his floor is much lower than every other guy that got taken, not even close. But his traits and the stuff that he does bring to the table, 
no one else brings in terms of the size, speed, combo. So you know what? We're going to take a chance as a, uh, with the Chiefs. You know what? He's fast as hell. He's tall. I'm not going to ask him to be our route, you know, rival guy up on day one type of deal. If he pops, he pops. And if he doesn't, so so what? But he has traits that you're not going to find every year. So that's why we're all in on Christian Walkers. And yes, oh, he's, he's your wide receiver too, right? For that, that's how I rank my receivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I rank my receivers on just rareness. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the reason why I'm, I, I'm, I'm all in. It's just he has traits that clearly, I don't know how many receivers have come in the past five years or six, four, or five, however, whatever his height is, run a four, three, and can jump out of the gym. But production does scare me. But same token, though, Trey Lance was at North Dakota State, and boy, um, they didn't let him sling the rock either. So, mm-hmm. well, that's 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 an interesting one for sure. Now we gotta address that terrible defense that they got because that's some uh, some BS they got. All right, so we let we let Honey Badger walk. I love Juan Thornhill, solid dude. But we also let um, I believe who do we let go to the 49ers? We let Trevay Ward, right? Yep. Ward. Don't forget yep. about Daniel Sorison too. Okay. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly that defense is porous and if you would make the argument that they double up on defense in this first round because Andy Reid is such like that good of a coach that he can make up for the lack of a talent at receiver the show but for me they need to fix this damn defense and I think the guy that you do it right here is sign out of Georgia I love that he has his head on fire and he is a mess is seen or sign you know what? I've heard both. Okay. Because <laughs> I've heard both too. I'm going to find this out until draft day, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm going to go with uh, scene slash line and just bank on him being a, a heat seeking missile that he was at Georgia. So uh, uh, the Lions are back up here at the end of the first. We're not going quarterback. Spoiler alert. Uh, when when Kayvon at, at two, and, and Tommy's been here before when I've, when I've gone Boye at 32 after taking Kayvon at two. Um, I'm not a big Boye guy. Hey, man, don't sleep. <laughs> I like Boye. Great senior bowl. All right. You want to Just talk put about it great. out there. Um, but I'm going to take N'Kobe Dean, uh, get, get the Lions a, a true off the ball linebacker. Mm. Y'all not, not taking another corner to put Iffy even further down the bench? <laughs> <laughs> no. We want, we want Iffy and Parnell starting, man. All right, for sure. Uh, if I, I was GM, that's that. that I like Amani though. We can put Amani on the field too. Yeah, we yep. can put Amani out there too. Um, I want to see Free Hefe back too, back healthy, man. And look, the Lions low key got a, a stack DB room. I mean, if, if on paper, paper you're right? <laughs> Jerry Jacobs. Hey, Jerry Jacobs is no joke, man. Yeah, we like well, LeJerry. You know, you feel me with with y'all and and Iffy. You know, I I got a rooted interest in t- in seeing Aaron Rodgers fall, so I need y'all to do it. Right? Yep. I just believe so much in what Aaron Glenn's doing as a coach, too. I feel like those guys improved drastically the minute he stepped into the building. Um, or just, I mean, the, in the amount of injuries that they had last year, I mean, Will Harris was playing corner by week 16, damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. If he spoke very highly of Glenn, this is even before the season, so um, mm-hmm. or that he's very happy. And we got Tracy him. Walker back in the building, re-signed him, taking care of our guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know what y'all going to do this year, but, you know, <laughs> I'm very – As if he said anything about being on Hard Knocks? Uh, he thinks it's, it's cool. Uh, okay. You know, down to earth and, yeah. you know, you ain't going to see no clips on if y'all. So, <laughs> 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 what I was going to ask you, you know, for any any fall camps at, at Syracuse, is he going to – no? Okay. Nah, if he no. – Mild manner, cool, laid back. If he, now, if y'all would have took Cisco – I don't know, man. He was fighting – he was fighting Amon Ra. That would have been that would have been right on hard knocks. But you know what though? 
that's more Amon Ra's as we, we can probably tell. That's more of him being that Cali boy, you know, mm-hmm. like I got that flair swagger thing. I'm Eric, which just worked for him. Obviously, he had a really, really good rookie campaign. But that was more Amon Ra than if he doing it, if he, you know, down to earth and he he ain't really with all that. He a good dude. Um, all right, boys, are you ready for the uh the draft and licks, boys? The apps and licks? Absolutely. Carl, uh, you can you can try and join us here. So this is you know, you're in, you think about, you know, visualize draft day, Carl. All right. You got the, the PJ with you, the crown. You got a little crown with you. Right. There's there's certain things maybe that you feel convinced that are, are going to happen. And if they do happen or they don't happen, you, you put a you put a little uh, little shot of, of crown on it. So that's that's what we're doing here. OK, OK, OK. I'm going to let y'all go first. I got to think about this one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'll, uh, I already put my put my lick on the table earlier this this year. If the Lions take Malik Willis at two, uh, it's going to be a long night for me. So yeah, I joined you on that, but I would even go further to say if the Lions take any quarterback at two. I know Kenny Pickett's coming on a visit today. I wouldn't be too <laughs> thrilled about that one either. So I think if it's I think it's just we got to umbrella it to any quarterback if the yeah. Lions take at two. Um, so I want to I want to do I want to expound on this I want to expound on this Lee and I'm I'm going to add a add a lick kind of to this as well could be could go double and I'm only going to do it if you co-sign um, <laughs> okay. if if there's any sort of um, you know say you know the Lions make a pick at any point in the draft I'm just going to say at any point in the draft it'll probably be on on day one though and and the the war room camp turns on in Allen Park and the broadcast goes 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 into the draft room and we see another <laughs> Frat boy oh. celebration. <laughs> uh, that'll be a lick because I mean, man, especially if they did it at two, man, like celebrating the pick at two, like they did last year when they got Sewell. Um, that that would be a that'll, that'll be a lick. yeah. I will I will one hundred percent join you yep. on that. I love I love the energy, but at the same time, it's time to settle in, be a professional, and uh, understand that what? you know you don't have to be Bill Belichick necessarily, but thumping your chest in the draft room isn't 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 what we really want to see in Detroit and Allen nope. Park in the rebuild. What's what happens if Malik's the pick at two and you get that reaction? That's gonna be I mean that's that's looking that's at a, a quad. Hit. We're looking at a quad, yeah. I'm gonna if that's at twenty four ounces of brew and, and about yeah. uh what is it, six, six ounces of, of something. Yeah, that would be Bullet, that would man. be pretty bad. But I did want to say this so this is my this is my first yap that I'm gonna put out there. I'm taking a yap for every edge player that goes before Kayvon. Oh, wow. Kayvon is edge one for me. So every, every defensive edge that goes before Kayvon, taking a yap. I think it'll only be one. But I like that clip. I think that's interesting. Um, my first yap is Jordan Davis under 14 and a half. Um, so I was just looking at the lines and basically just – doing what I thought was going to happen. So if Jordan Davis lives to see 15, 16, I'll, I'll yap. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm on that as well. So I'll, I'll join. So I now have a sweet spot. I have a middle with Clef. I was going to say top 10, man. If he yeah. goes outside the top 10, I'm yapping. Yeah. I think he's he, a top 10 player. Yeah. I so think I, he, he might be like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I debate putting him, making him like my number one overall player. I think he's like the only true unicorn in the draft i think that's interesting Clyde. i i think him being slotted at 14 and a half is really really interesting um like 
I wonder what that is based off of. You're also getting the Ravens right there too, which I think is a popular pick. Him to the Ravens at 14. So well, because the the, the narrative is that he can't be on the field for all three downs, and that he's he can't rush the passer really at all, which I don't think is there's, true. There's also like a narrative that he could like be a bust. And to me, like to me, shouldn't he have like one of the highest floors in, in the draft class? Yeah. No, I do think that's like, really interesting because the question I always ask myself is what did I think about this guy before the media stepped in and, and started to tell me what to think? And Jordan Davis to me was the best player on Georgia's team last year. Like that's what I yeah. personally thought. And every game of Georgia that I watched, obviously the further down the season the more you notice it because you're watching more, you know, in the playoff and in the national championship or whatever. But even week one against Clemson, uh, N'Kobe Dean played a phenomenal game against Clemson. But Jordan Davis stood out. I was like, who the hell is that? Um, and, and also, too, like, I think from a visional, positional value standpoint, um, you're looking at – there's DTs that are going, like, top 15. You had Derek Brown. You had Javon Kinlaw. You had uh, Christian Wilkins from Clemson. Did any DTs go top 15 last year? I, I'm, who were the DTs last year? I got – COVID brand, I can't even remember. Um, but we've seen, like, when there's those players in that realm, they tend to go earlier rather than later. Derek Brown went seventh overall. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jordan Davis – and also then you factor in his combine. We were talking about Trayvon Walker. Like, I think that applies to Jordan Davis as well. So those concerns about tape and him being a, a two-down player and not really having the stamina. He also, like, cut a bunch of weight. That's, I think, part of the reason why he tested so incredibly well. I think he was down, like, 20 pounds. So, I like that a lot as well, too. I think Jordan Davis down 20 pounds is still, like, 340. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'll, I'll join Lee on that yap train, and I'll also join him. These are all my uh, – and I, I'm going to do Evan Neal. If Evan Neal goes over pick five, I will be taking a yap. I have Evan Neal under five and a half. Um. Also curious to see Neil and Aquanu. Their numbers have gone from three and a half to four and a half and five and a half, respectively. So um, I think Evan Neal is going to be a top five pick. Again, traits. I think the NFL is going to fall in love with those traits, and I, I will certainly be yapping if uh, if he makes it to six with the Panthers. I have two yap offs: one for Adam and one for Tommy. Okay, um, all right. I'll start with Adam. Charles Cross going to go before uh, eight. He's going to go top seven. I'll yap that off. Okay, yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'm going to – this isn't what yeah. I necessarily fully believe is going to happen. I would have made a bet on it if I believe it's going to happen, but I am the resident run-the-damn-ball guy, and I'm, I'm going to say to Tommy, one running back will go in the first round. It's going to happen. We're going to yap off. Uh, I, think, I think it might be Brees Hall to the Bills. I don't know. I think it might be uh, – we, we might be seeing that. Um, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I'm going to go a running back goes in the first round just for a little bit of excitement. Um, I know Tommy's very opposed to that. So that's, that's my yap off offer to Tommy. I love it. I love it. And if it's not the Bills, I guess who's it going to be? I don't think – I think the Maybe Bills Tampa. Are... Maybe Tampa. I don't yeah. know. I think the they're, Bills are way too heavy. You never know what they're thinking in these GM rooms and how they evaluate these players. So I think uh, there's some good running backs in this in this class, um, and I think that there could be one sneaking into the first round. You just gave Leonard Fournette 25 mil, whatever. So you know what? If you want to do that, Jason Lick, never go, go never ahead. overestimate Jason Lick. <laughs> never overestimate that man. Um, um man, uh, Carl, do you do you have an idea of what, what's going on here? Do you want to jump in, or we we yeah, can keep going? I'm going to jump in real quick. Okay. Um, one, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I understand people are, you know, a little down on Kyle Hamilton and his combine performance. I get it. I get it. But if he drops below 
13, hmm. which I still think is way too low. Like, way too fucking low. Like, I think he's one of the best players in the draft. And I know positional value matters. I get it. But in terms of what he was asked to do at ND and how he played at least at a B-minus level at every single role, whether it was deep safety, lifting off the edge, he played Mike linebacker on four third downs, rose in the slot, played in, like, he was a cover three uh, safety at times coming down in the box. And he played all of them at a at least good level. I'm not going to say exceptional because I, I think that's maybe the one knock on him is what is his elite thing he does, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of he's just being good at everything, and if you allow him to go in the NFL and just say, hey, hone one skill when you first get here day one. Don't have an Isaiah Simmons issue where we ask you to do a whole bunch of shit, and by doing that, you don't get good at anything in the league. And that's why Isaiah Simmons is still stuck because the Cardinals asked him to do everything in the league, and he still ain't doing shit. So I guess that's the knock. Give him a – give. Kyle Hamilton, all right, cool. You might not be great at anything yet. Let's make you a deep high safety to start. Or let's put you in uh, at nickel to start. Let's put you as, in a slaughter or, or let's down to third. I think people are overthinking it. I, I really do. I, I think when you watch the NFL today, I know that everyone sees edge, um, corner, as the two premier positions on the field when it comes to affecting the passer. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the league today is affecting the passer, right? I don't know many guys in the league who affect the passer as well as he might in the future based off his length. Like, imagine as a quarterback, someone who's 6'4 with, like, that ridiculous wingspan over the damn middle, like a damn pterodactyl. I think that's just scary as hell. So, I, I'm all in on Kyle Hamilton. If he goes below the Texans, I'm, I'm over there. I'm, I'm running up and tackling Goodell and saying we got to restart this draft over because that's some bullshit. So, I, I'll, I'll yap to that. And the other one, uh, Tommy just alluded to it, I, the, the Brees Hall thing, I, I can't get down with it. I think Kenny Walker is a, a good <laughs> I do. I wouldn't yep. take him first round either. I wouldn't take him either in the first round, but I think Walker's a, a better runner with the football. And I don't know if I want to spend first round capital out of taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. I'm all about running the ball. I'm with you on that one. Run the damn ball. Let's make Josh hands live, Josh Allen's life easier. I don't know if I want to do that though, by taking the ball out of his hands, by having to justify a first round pick with a guy who I don't think is the best running back in the class in the first place. So, uh, that's where I'm on that. I will drink to that because that would highly upset me because I don't think Najee went one pick before, right? I think Najee went 24 last year. 24, yeah. I don't think he's in the same ballpark as what Najee was in terms of pure runner, act, do everything. I think Brees Hall is really darn good. Don't think he's Najee, and we, we're still it's still TBD on, on ETNA. But yeah, things right now that I would definitely um y'all might see me on the side of the road if that happened. I think <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's Najee for sure. I do think that there could be a running back sneaking into the, the back half of this first round, though. I just think that things might get a little weird. I think things might get weird early in the draft, um, and that might lead to having kind of a snowball effect that that lasts longer than we think. So that's just kind of my my fade the public take. I will I think, say this, though, I know people like running backs in the first round, but if there's a, a – I'm, I might be a little bit on the other side of that is that, yeah, you want them cheap, right? You don't want to pay them. Well, why not get him for five years as opposed to four? And in the fifth year, it's going to be much more expensive than the fifth year of an option, which won't be mm-hmm. as high. You know what I'm trying to say? So mm-hmm. I get the logic, and I, that's why I do think that starting with the Bills at 25, there's definitely a chance that somebody's going to take a running back. So I get it for sure. I just hope it's not Brees Hall. I think Brandon Bean is way too smart to take running back in the first round. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a captain, but well, I also saying. love that, that Carl's on the Kenny, Kenny Walker RB1 train with me too. We're on the same page with Brandon Bean being the smart guy. Yeah. I think uh, next year we're going to have to have the uh, Carl, Carl Jones, Lee Murray safety Thunderdome. Because, because you know, last year Lee brought the heat on, on Cisco. Lee's a little out on Hamilton, man. So. I am I am a little out on Hamilton. I, 
I said that I like Daxon Hill better than him before the draft. Um, I got to stand by that. I got to stand on my word. Um, and Adam, what was the what was the the new iteration of this that you? Oh, call your yap. Call your yap. Yeah. Daxon Hill twenty one to the New England Patriots. If Daxon Hill is available at pick twenty one, the New England Patriots are going to take him. I think Bill Belichick is going to be kind of enamored by his versatility. There's a big need in the secondary in New England. Um, I know BB likes his Michigan guys. He likes his Alabama guys. I don't think he's going to be afraid to take a swing on Dax Hill um, with every kind of the chess piece, bringing that chess piece into your defense. So that's kind of my, the one I'm most confident in. I think that's a great fit. I think it's a very, it's right around the range. I have him ranked 20 to 30 uh, player in the draft. I think if he's there at 21 for New England, they're going to take a swing on him. Go ahead, Carl. I love that just because we all know BB likes versatility on the back end. I want my safety to do corner shit when my corners mm-hmm. shit. There's just no one in the draft who does that better than Daxton Hill. I like that for sure. Well, coincidentally, my call my call your yap is a Patriots as well, and it's Devin Lloyd, 21 mm-hmm. to the Patriots. I think um, they need help at linebacker as well. Again, a guy who's versatile, a guy who excels in pass coverage, just an all-around complete modern linebacker. And I kind of am struggling to see Devin Lloyd's uh, draft prop is 18 and a half. Um, and I kind of tend to think he goes over that, obviously. And, and with positional value, it's going to be interesting to see where these linebackers fall. But I don't really see a team like the Chargers taking a swing on him. I guess maybe the Eagles. I think, I Philly, I think Philly could for sure take him. The thing is, Philly just has never drafted uh, linebackers. They just don't prioritize it. And maybe this is the year that it changes. They've also drafted a receiver in the first round for the past two years, I guess it is. And, or, and they've spent top 60 draft capital on a receiver in the past three years. Um, so I think if, if he gets past Philly, I think he'll probably find his way into the 20s, definitely over 18, I think. So I really like Devin Lloyd to the Patriots. Um, so, the, Carl, we, we said that we're going to pick um, one team that's drafting 16 through 32 and pick what prospect goes there. So maybe you can get your, your brain churning on that. Match, right. match one team picking 16 to 32 with the, with the prospect and call your shot. Um, my last two, my last two yaps. Um, the line for quarterbacks to go in the first round is three and a half. Um, I think all of them suck, uh, but the but the the NFL is QB crazy, man, and, and these guys are going to go. But with that said, I'll say if over two QBs go in the first round, I'll yap. That's going to happen, Adam. You're, we'll you're that's a death wish. We'll you're, see. You just signed off on a death <laughs> wish. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, we'll see. And then uh, if. Uh, the New York Jets don't address offensive line with the fourth or 10th pick, or maybe if they move around, if they don't address it with their picks in the first round, uh, that'll be a, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'll join you. I'm going to piggyback off that and do my uh, pour one out for Zach Wilson. Yeah. Which is if the giants don't take a tackle and a receiver, like if they don't take the jets the Jets, yeah. or the yeah. jets, sorry. Yeah. It, it's pretty clean cut, clear cut to me. You take a tackle at four, you take a receiver at 10, if they don't do that, you're probably going to get your pick of the litter with both of those uh, spots. If they don't do that, to me, they're, they're not helping their young quarterback who they just invested a lot of capital in last year um, and who needs – you've seen the media network say it. I agree. I mean, the Jets can have a great draft, but it's all going to rely on Zach Wilson. If he can't be a good quarterback, if he can't limit the turnovers, if he can't be more consistent, if he can't – all this, the upside, the things you – the flashes you saw last year – if he can't kind of materialize that into consistency and into week in and week out production in the NFL against grown men that are, you're not playing in Provo anymore. These are guys that are 
trying to make a paycheck, um, the Jets aren't going to be good. So they need to put themselves in a position to, or put Zach Wilson in a position to succeed. And I think the best way to do that is to take your favorite tackle at four, take your favorite receiver at 10. If they don't do that, I'm going to take a shot for Zach Wilson. I also will, uh, my last draft prop that I made is, is Garrett Wilson over 10 and a half. Um, and I'll, and I'll yap if he goes under 10 and a half. Um, I have a sneaky feeling that Jamison Williams is going to be the number one receiver taken too. So I, I think the way it lines up, the receiver spots to me, barring no trades, which I think it's Atlanta at eight and the Jets at 10. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, Garrett Wilson, he's my number three receiver. I do like him a lot, but I just think when you line up the needs, there's a good chance that these receivers are going, you know, in the 11 to 20 range and obviously towards the back half of the first round. So I took that at plus 140. So I just thought that there was a little value on Garrett Wilson going over 10 and a half. My shot call, by the way, is going to be uh, Andrew Booth to the Bills at 25. Mm. I like that clip. Love it, clip. I'm all in. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah. All right. You've got anything to share? So for me, uh, I'm going out to, to LA. I'm rocking with the Chargers because the Rams, I don't know if they pick until round seven this year, but with the, uh, with the Chargers, I know their trenches suck, but I'm not a fan of their receiver room in terms of 2022. So Chris Olave, mm. go back to LA, baby. Go back to Cali. You ain't got to, your, your family. They ain't got to go too far. They ain't got to go back to Ohio to watch the games no more. They come back to the hometown to come to the crib. That receiver room is slow, like beyond slow. And I know they got um, – is Palmer the slot? Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer. He, he all right, but he ain't Olave, all right? No. Like, and, and, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm calling the shot with Olave, I think even pinning was, is going to go a little bit sooner than we think. So I'm not really a fan with any of the tackles that can be there at, uh, at 17, I believe. So Olave, that, seemed, that receiver uh, – that room is slow as hell. Terror is it's just I don't think anybody runs faster than a four or five. Uh, Ken Allen, I know he's up in age now. Really good guy. Just don't in, in terms of stretching the field, we got a guy who can throw the ball 98 yards. Well, let's have a guy on the field who can use that. So you yeah. me? Chris Olave, welcome back to Cali. You're a charger, baby. I think that would be a really good pick, actually, now that you mention it. I really do. Yeah. I've been I've been hot on the Chargers taking a receiver. I think I don't think he's gonna be there, but I think Jameson Williams' best fit is with the Chargers. Uh, just with that speed, I, I doubt he makes it to 17. But I think Alave is a more complete receiver than Williams. Williams just has just like dumb speed, though. Like Alave is incredibly fast. Williams is just is faster than him. So I just think anyone who can unlock, you know, you, you don't want Jalen Guyton being your the only deep threat that you have. So I, I completely agree with that logic, Carl. I, I wanted my last yap too is I got to ride with my boy Traylon Burks. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. He's my number one receiver in the draft. I, I know he ran a four five. It doesn't really matter to me. You know, I, I, watching Arkansas play, he was their whole team. Um, I think he can do just about everything. He's never been a burner. I don't think he's going to win in the NFL as a burner. I love his physicality. I love his yak. Um, I love what he does with the ball in his hands. If that, if that man doesn't go top 20, I'm, t- I'm going to take, take a yap. I'm going to take a yap. I think, he's the, I think he's the number one receiver. I personally would probably take him at 10 with the Jets if he's there. Um, Love his versatility, so I'll pour one out for, for Traylon if he can't go top 20. I, I like this receiver class. I think there's a lot of guys who – Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to be disrespectful. Is there a chase? No, but is there ever a chase? Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, that's the – I'm tired of hearing that narrative where it's like, oh, it's not a chase. So, like – but, guys, like, how many chases are there every year? Like, 
go. That's why them. Chase is Chase, and everyone else is everyone else. You know. Exactly. And I don't. Um, I was a big guy on Waddle too, so I'm not gonna. Yep. Hammer too home, but too, hammer too hard on that. But I think any of these receivers, they got as long as they're in the right spot, they can pop. So it's just like, I, I'm. A, I feel bad for whoever goes to Atlanta, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> And, and I guess how you in Detroit, <laughs> in Detroit at thirty-two, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but I'm seeing Amara. Ra. I'm seeing him eat. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's not. Uh, look, the Falcons—they're just screwed over there. I'm sorry, like it's just. Yeah, you, Cut, don't put us in a boat with Atlanta. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> this is supposed to be a Lions podcast, man. Where are you at? Come on. So I mean, especially with the teams that we were needy this year. I mean, you got to think about some teams that you know that need one. I think the Bills. A lot of teams think the Bills could use one. Um, the Saints obviously could use one. We just said the Chargers. The Packers need one. Char- uh, Chiefs need one. One of these receivers are going to land in a spot that's going to allow them to shine day one. And woo, let let Burks go to a team like the Packers where it's a Shanahan-style offense where he can, you know, mm. do all the versatile shit that, you know, that those Shanahan-style offenses do. Y'all going to be like, damn, why we let him go to 22? Yeah. I think – Burks to the Packers is like, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous to me because I think he has the, he kind of has the maturity too. I feel like to step in and and not be a me guy, not be, you know, too, uh, you know, I don't know, too out of place in an NFL environment. I think he could gel well with Aaron Rodgers and I don't think he minds a cold very much. So um I don't know, man. I really like I really like what he brings to the table, and and I think, man, I would be disappointed as a Lions fan if he if he made it to twenty three and the and the Packers scooped him up. This is a pro Lions podcast. So we're not going to speak that into existence. No, we're not. We are not. Hey, how about thirty two? Let him fall. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see the vision. I see the vision. Tommy, did you want to you want to take us out here with your with your receiver rankings before Zoom kicks us off again? Yeah, yeah. I'll take you guys out with the receiver rankings. Um, so my top seven receivers are all first round, first round talents to me, all first round talents. And then I did, I did 16. I looked at 16 receivers, eight through 16. Um, I guess I could tear it out a little bit, but eight through 16 are for sure day two guys for me. Um, my number one receiver is Drake London. Uh, and I comped him to Michael Thomas. I think there's a lot of similarities in Drake London and Michael Thomas's game. I think you saw when Michael Thomas had his 140, Catch season, he was playing primarily from the slot. I think London, we saw him with uh, two years ago with Amon Ra when Amon Ra uh, played outside uh, last year before his draft year. London was in the slot, was very productive, but he also can um, can also eat on the outside. I think the kind of separation narrative on on London, I think, is is kind of lazy. Um, he's not a he's not a downfield separator. That's not what he does. But he's a fantastic route runner. He wins at the catch point. Um, and he just has un- unbelievable ball skills. Uh, my number two receiver is Chris Olave, who I comp to Calvin Ridley. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities between Olave and Ridley's game. I think Olave is just a little bit faster, but just Olave is incredibly smooth, technical. I've talked about him on podcasts previous, just a guy who produced from his freshman year to all through his senior year, um, was one of the best receivers on a loaded Ohio State uh, receiver room for a good amount of time. And number three, I have Garrett Wilson, uh, who – I think has a higher ceiling than Olave just because he has unbelievable physical talents. Uh, Carl talks about the physical tools. I think Garrett Wilson just screams a lot of that. Uh, he, he reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson of the Steelers, um, but I think probably has a higher ceiling than Deontay Johnson, but just the suddenness, what he can do after the catch, um, just a big Garrett Wilson guy. At number four, I got my guy Sky Moore from Western Michigan, who was my biggest, uh, biggest surprise. I think watching Sky Moore, I was a dude who, 
admittedly was super low on Dwayne Eskridge, but coming now we got Sky Moore coming. We're going full circle in Kalamazoo with Sky Moore, and I comped him. It's a pretty popular comp, but Golden Tate, I think it's just it pops off the page. And I also said like, there's some Debo Samuel light to his game too, what he can do after the catch. This dude, um, he's 21 years old. He's got 10 and a half inch hands despite being, you know, 5'10 or whatever it is. He's a freak athlete. And it's hard with these guys who aren't, aren't you know, in the group of five, but he was unbelievably dominant. He had three or four 200-yard receipt, you know, 11 catch, 200-yard games. And when I'm watching it, it's, it's not like fluky yards. This is a dude who just, if he was at Alabama, Ohio State, I think he'd be doing these same things. And I think he's going to be the guy that when we look back on this draft class, he's a guy who might go in the second round, but he's going to be one of those dudes who is going to be getting a huge payday when it comes down to, uh, uh, you know, in four or five years from now. Uh, at number five, I have Jamison Williams. And with Williams, he just – he's an interesting – he's an interesting eval because his speed is just like – he reminds me a lot of Henry, Henry Ruggs. And I, and I hope I'm not helmet scouting there, but just a guy who – his speed in the NFL is just, he has that untouchable speed. Um, I think, and, and he's a complete receiver too, for the most part too. I think he's a more complete receiver than Ruggs was, but I think he just has game breaking speed and it's hard not to just like really fall in love with that. When you're watching his tape, he also has some of that Judy S suddenness um, breaking off routes. So he's not just a speed guy. I think he has some more completeness to his game, but he definitely needs to, you know, he's, he's not very strong. He doesn't even have this, the same play strength, I think, as Devonta Smith, and they're kind of the similar. But a dude who's not going to do much in the, the run game and is, I, I think, a little bit of a one-trick pony. I know a lot of people like him as their wide receiver one, which I get the physical talent, but I do think that there is a little bit of one-dimensional this there from him. But the thing that he does very well is just every NFL team could use that, especially teams that, you know, have a guy like a Justin Herbert or Josh Allen um, a guy who can really push the ball down the field. At number six, I have Lee's boy, Traylon Burks, who, again, a guy who I really enjoyed watching. Um, I comped him to, to Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think he's got some A.J. Brown light to him as well. Um, a guy who played primarily from the slot and was doing a lot of underneath things, but has unbelievable run after the catch. And when you put him on the outside, uh, he makes really good plays at the catch point. And, you know, a guy that it was hard for me not to put higher, but – I just kind of like these other guys a little bit more. And then at number seven to round out my round one talents, I have George Pickens from Georgia, who I love, man. And you want to talk about, Clep, I know you're a big run block guy when it comes to receivers. George Pickens embarrasses corners. He, Daxton Hill, McCreary from Auburn, he literally is bench pressing these guys five to ten yards, and then he's standing over them. Just has that mentality that you love to see. Also has probably the best hands, I think, in the draft. Um, his drop rate uh, – which is a stat, you know, that, uh, you know, your, your drop passes compared to catch passes. He has the lowest drop rate in the class and probably, you know, he had that ACL injury. Uh, so he, you know, you kind of can't, you can only judge, you can't really judge him off. He missed all this, this past year, but obviously came back in the national championship game, made that huge 57 yard bomb catch to, to cash Lee's, uh, Lee's yardage over prop in the, uh, in the championship game, which was fun. But as a dude who I compared him to Mike Williams and I think he, can be better than Mike Williams. I think this is a dude who I would love to take in the first round. I think he has the profile of an alpha number one receiver. And the only question mark with him is just how his knee is going to recover and is if he can ever reach that 2019-2020 tape dominance. And then to get in my day two, day three guys, at number eight, I have Jahan Dotson, who doesn't really have a lot of physical tools, but is a really good route runner. I comped him to a slower Tyler Lockett. Also has unbelievable hands for a guy of his stature. 
Um, really enjoyed watching him play. It can be a, a weapon in the red zone. And number nine, I had John Mechie from Alabama, who I comp to a poor man's Jerry Judy. Has a lot of the same kind of flashy route running skills as Jerry Judy, but isn't kind of the same athlete, but I think is going to be a really good wide receiver too in the NFL for a long time. And number 10, I had Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, who I comp to Marvin Jones, a dude who has a lot of acceleration. He's just a little bit older. He's 23 years old, and, but had two really productive years at South Alabama and um, is a guy who I think can be a really good wide receiver three, potentially wide receiver two at the next level. And number 11, I had David Bell from Purdue. And this is going to be a really interesting one, David Bell, because his production and his skill set, I think, is probably the best in the class. And it's going to be really interesting for my personal evaluation uh, philosophy to see, you know, David Bell is a guy who, but he's just, his physical tools are really underwhelming. Um, he's a guy who struggles to separate, is not um, an overly good athlete, but still has some juice after the catch and is really kind of crafty. But I think David Bell can be, a really good wide receiver three for you. I comped him to my, my boy from Minnesota, Tyler Johnson. He reminds me a lot of Tyler Johnson. Um, probably is a little bit better than him. I've been a little disappointed by Johnson's had some struggles down in Tampa. But, again, a guy who's a really good route runner, has really good hands, um, and can win at, you know, the short and intermediate levels of the field. At number 12, I got one of my guys, Kyle Phillips from UCLA, who I comped to Hunter Renfrew. And that's, that's no joke. I think he legit has uh, – I hope I'm not – doing some racist scouting there, but he, he reminds me a lot of Hunter Renfro has an unbelievable release package and is a dude that we've seen Renfro in the past year or two in the red zone. Just guys can't cover him. His, his routes uh, in, you know, five to 10 yards are really good. And I saw a lot of that with Phillips. Obviously Renfro has, I don't want to disrespect Renfro. He's come become one of the, the best uh, red zone weapons in the NFL, but I think Phillips can grow into that role. And I was really impressed with him out of UCLA. At 13, I got Carl. Tommy, the clock's kind of running on you, buddy. You got 350 here. I know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. (laughs) At 13, I got Christian Watson, Carl's boy. Um, Completely agree with what you say about his physical tools. I mean, unbelievable physical tools, but there's just a lot of work with him, and he didn't really pop. I think he's 23. He's a redshirt junior. He's he's a little bit older, and I just kind of have questions about why it took him this long to pop. I didn't do a super deep dive on him, but I get why a lot of people are falling in love with him. And he probably goes in the first round because of his physical tools. But for me, I just thought he wasn't as refined as some of the other guys. 14, I have Justin Ross from Clemson, like Pickens, a dude who really popped off in his 2019 year with Trevor Lawrence in their championship year, but uh, had the neck injury and has kind of been a shell of himself a little bit ever since then. Um, But a dude who I think, you know, six, five kind of has some T Higgins light vibes. Uh, to him. And then to, to round out 15 and 16 at 15, I have Calvin Austin, who has unbelievable physical tools. I comped him to a poor man's Rondale Moore. He has a lot of the, you know, same athletic profile as Rondale, but just isn't uh, as well as good of a project, uh, prospect as Rondale, but has unbelievable physical tools and is, you know, you saw a guy like Tutu Atwell go in the second round last year. I think Calvin Austin is a lot better than Tutu Atwell um, and uh, can be, you know, you're just going to have to find a role from the NFL. And last but not least, at 16, I have Khalil Shakir from Boise State, who I comp to. He reminds me a little bit of Amon Ra last year. A uh, really dynamic slot receiver. Or not dynamic, but he has a, a full, fully round out game, and he can do some stuff. He played on the backfield. He played in the slot. Plays with some juice and was productive over three years at Boise State. So those are my top 16 receivers uh, in this draft, in the 22 NFL draft. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. I'm taking my boy Tommy over Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, man. That's that's high praise. That's high praise. I will say receivers have been a little bit my bread and butter uh, for the past few years, but uh, thank you guys. That means a lot.
right, Carl, before uh, Zoom kicks us off here, any any last notes on the draft? What about the Browns, man? They're not picking till till the third round. Where are they uh, going? Second, we're sitting at forty four, I believe. Um, okay. Well, we I think we have like two signed defensive linemen on the roster right now, so <laughs> I, I know that um, we want to help out our um, quarterback who might not even play this year, but. We have literally no D linemen on the roster, so I think I'm seeing a lot of uh, Drake Jackson and uh, um, Benito from Oklahoma right there. I haven't really dived deep on the edge just because the Bills don't need one. So um, at some point I'll get to it, but we need a D lineman back. Really. When's the next? Uh, when's the next faces? Uh, I think that that's in Motor Beach right now. So Monday we're, okay. gonna, we're gonna. I think Monday's just gonna be about who should the Bills take. And I got I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. There's three DBs I'm in love with at 25 and. If Scott Moore is there, um, hey, Goodell, come on. Bring that ass here. Let's go. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I love what y'all doing. I'll be tuning in whenever I can. Uh, that's no joke. And uh, y'all keep doing what y'all do, man. Always a pleasure, Carl. Likewise, yeah, man. Respect, Carl. Appreciate Likewise. it. Yeah. All right. Cue draft day, right, Tommy? Cue draft day, baby, sir. Cue right. it. See ya. <laughs> Peace.